Welcome to Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War. I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Heal Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our Black joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind, body, soul relationships and businesses. And in today's conversation, we are talking about Heal Black Joy through exploration of self-love. And today, my guest is Dr. Margaret Brunson. She's a leader, a luminary, and thought partner. Dr. Margaret considers a brunch a verb, well-being a priority, dance floors sacred, and music and passport stamps two of life's greatest treasures. After a career in public and private healthcare sector, she transitioned into entrepreneurship and is now the CEO of Illumined Leadership Solutions. As an insightful leadership practitioner with 20 years of experience, Dr. Margaret enjoys working with individuals and organizations to clarify purpose and help them develop authentic and holistic leadership programs or leadership paradigms that support their transformation. Dr. Margaret is a product of a village, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a friend. She is also a published author, a writer, and motivational speaker. In 2016, she was named one of North Carolina Central University 40 Under 40 Outstanding Alumni. Dr. Margaret earned a BA in psychology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She's got a Master of Public Administration from North Carolina Central University and a PhD in Leadership Studies from North Carolina A&T State University. So let's get Dr. Margaret in here. We can talk about self-love and this self-love journey. Hi, Hi, lady. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I am so good. I'm so good. Glad to be having this conversation with you on today. This month has been about everything love, everything celebrating Black love, Black history. This is Black History Month. But we're also celebrating love in the month of February. And although we celebrated relational love this past week with celebrating our significant others, our partners, our husbands, our wives, a lot of us who are amongst singledom, <laughs> we have to celebrate our own worth and our own journey in discovering ourselves. So that is defined by discovering self-love and doing the exploration of self-love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm happy to be here this evening with you. I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you because you are a person that knows this oh too well. And I just want to like start off with how did you get started in your self-love journey? And like in that discovery, what were what were some of the discoveries that you that you came up or came to understand about yourself when you went on your self-love journey? Yeah, so I, I'll say that I'm still very much on a self-love journey, right? Because that work never ends. Um, right. But, but for me, I think, you know, the realizations of it started, um, you know, when I was younger. So I grew up in the 90s. Um, I'm, I'll be 42 this year. So like I grew up in the 90s and there was a particular aesthetic, right, that was preferred. Um, and growing up, I didn't see myself reflected in that way you know you look okay. at music you look at music videos you look at tv shows like you're looking for yourself right and right you don't, and especially as it relates to beauty so i've i've constantly had this relationship with beauty and seeing myself as beautiful and so um you know when i was young i didn't see my beauty reflected like on tv um in the media and so that did something to my self-esteem because I, I wanted people to see me in a particular way. So growing up, I always was very like proud of what I did. You know, that was the way I said, oh, okay, well, if I'm not cute, if I'm not beautiful, at least they'll like me because I'm smart. Or yeah. at least they'll like me because I'm funny. Yeah. And so the older I got, I realized like, you know, you, one, you have to love yourself. 
um, in order for other people to love you. And so what is it about you, Margaret, that makes you so special? What is it about you that is lovable? Why should someone love you? And I had to learn, I had to figure out what the answer to that was. And so as I got older and I realized that my relationships with other people were not great because I didn't necessarily love myself well. Mm -hmm. So it was mm -hmm. difficult for me to receive love from other people. Um, I started doing the work. And I think my biggest discovery is on my t-shirt right now. <laughs> it says, I am enough. And that, mm. is, that is my mantra. So like, people people always say well margaret you're more than enough no actually i'm okay with being enough i don't have to be more than enough like everything that i am all of who i am like all of my personality it's enough i don't have to do anything else to make myself like more beautiful more acceptable so that journey for me has been just discovering that i'm enough and what does that enoughness look like you know so that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> That's big. I, I, I want to go back to something that you just said, and that was talking about people saying that, you know, I am more than enough or you having to be more than something, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think that stems from? Because you're right. Like, I just had a discovery. I had a little nugget or an epiphany or an aha moment in just you saying that I am enough and enough is okay. Yeah. Why is it that we always have to get to more? Yeah. Well, it's, see, par mm -hmm. go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead. Well, part of that is because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So to say that you're more than what are you comparing it to? Right? Like there, there has to be some sort of basis of comparison. And I'm saying that I have, I don't have to do anything else to prove my worthiness. When we say we're more than enough, we're saying that enough is not enough. <laughs> right? Like we're saying that enough is, is not is not sufficient we got to be more than that and what i'm saying is enough means that you're worthy enough means that there's nothing else no more titles no more you know nothing that you need to do to your body to your hair whatever like there's nothing else that you need to do to be more worthy we don't have to be more than right and i'm so glad that you're talking about that specifically because my next question for you dr margaret is what roles do our parents, our guardians, those people that have influence over us as children play in a person's self-love journey? Because a lot of times how we, how we move and navigate through our world is based off of what our parents or those people that influenced us when we were young, what they said to us, mm -hmm. what those programs were that are ruminating or are, you know, ruminating in our mind. So yeah. how, how important is that role in what they say to us on our self-love journey? Yeah, so I think I look at this, I look at this two ways. I think one, you know, parents or our caregivers or even our community can teach us how to love ourselves um, by the way they love us, right? So I'm grateful to have been raised by two people who loved me and loved me well. Um, you know, there were times I didn't necessarily feel loved because of punishments and all of that, like discipline. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, in my work, like over the years, I can tell people who are loved, I can tell the difference between adults who grew up loved and those who may not have known love in that way, like in a more unconditional way. So I think that part of it is very important that, you know, parents and caregivers really learn how to love their children, love the people that they have um, care over. But I think the other part of this conversation that's not talked about enough is that children oftentimes learn by observation. And so I think about, <clears throat> I don't have children, so I need to make that disclaimer, but I think about parents who do everything for their children and they never do anything for themselves for example I've seen where a mom will say you know kids I need like 15 minutes just give me 15 minutes I just need to rest but then the kid knocks on the door five minutes later and you're like okay what is it you just taught that child that your boundaries mean nothing to you like you can't take 15 minutes to yourself. Right. <laughs> and so I think 
teaching children that, you know, hey, my, my time, my energy, who I am as your parent is important. And this is the way that I love myself well so that I can love you better. That's an important message because kids will take that, they'll grow up and they'll realize like, oh, my mom actually told me no sometimes so that she could focus on herself. I'm learning to do that too, right? Um, so I think the, the message of self-love is so counterintuitive for a lot of people because we're taught to give, give, give. We hear all these sayings though that, said, that say like, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's true. Like when do you fill yourself so that you can give to those around you. And I think that's the, that's the cycle, right? Like as a parent, how do you love yourself well so that you can love your children well? I always attribute that when I get on a, on a, when I go on a plane and they always say, you know, if, put your mask on first. Put your mask on first before you put a mask on for a child because in case of emergency, if something happens and the plane goes down, you're not going to be of any help to your child if you don't have your mask on first. So I always think about that um, when I'm, when I, when they taxi and they start talking about, you know, put your mask on first. Um, someone in the comments said, Hey, Tulip Love, that, that mom get will have you falling out, unable to help anybody. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of mothers, and I know this just from my own personal experience, I didn't see my mother take time for herself. I Most saw my mother did. pour from an empty cup all the time. So I was that child that saw that and I didn't have any boundaries. So I was always working, always doing for everybody else, never pouring into myself until my body gave way. It was like, okay, right. Lola, enough. So either your mind gives way, your body gives way, or your spirit gives way, right? Yeah. And yeah. It, it just, it, you're right, kids, do by what they see and they and they're going to follow your example so if you don't take time for yourself mm -hmm. absolutely you're teaching your child that you don't have boundaries and you're also teaching your child that they shouldn't have boundaries too that's right that's right yeah. and then and then we get upset you know when people don't respect our boundaries but you don't respect your own right right you know the, i wanted to say something the reason why you know the scientific reason behind putting your mask on yourself because i te i use this i use this analogy a lot to teach this <clears throat> but the scientific reason is because what happens is hypoxia is where you lose oxygen so the the cabin is experiencing a decompression there's no air flowing so very quickly you lose oxygen to your brain so the whole scientific reason for putting your mask on first is so that you can breathe enough <laughs> so you can get enough oxygen to help the person next to you that's why it's so critical because it happens super fast you're reaching to help somebody else meanwhile you're losing oxygen you're not going to make it and you're not gonna have time to save them either. And that's so, such a, that, and you, and that you can apply that in life. If you don't have enough breath for your own body, if you don't have enough breath to breathe your for your own life, how in the world can you help or save anybody else? That's right. That's that is right. so powerful. That is so powerful. So parents, guardians, make sure that you're showing your kids that you have some boundaries for yourself and that you that you are taking you are on a self-love journey so that you're not only expressing yourself in that way but you're also teaching your children that it's okay to take time for yourself Absolutely. so that is really really good so i have another question that somebody actually sent me and i thought it was a really good question and the question was a lot of times when we get in relationships right we will forget to put ourselves first or we will forget our self-love journey. We will not, we will just throw the self-love journey out of the way because now we're so excited about having this relational love, right? Mm -hmm. How do people maintain self-love while in relationship, whether it be platonic with a friend or whether it be in a romantic relationship? Yeah, yeah. So I learned this one the hard way because I got married really young and I felt like, well, you know, this is my husband. 
we're, we're just supposed to merge. We're supposed to merge our lives, like two become one. We hear that a lot, like growing up in church, you know, when you when you get married, two become one. I I don't I don't buy it. <laughs> right. So so a lot so a lot of people a lot of people think about like relationships and they say, Well, this person completes me, right? And and I understand the sentiment, but I think there's a problem with that kind of thinking because we are a whole and complete person, even outside of relationship with another person. And yeah. so when I think about, and I'm going to speak on romantic relationships, but I think it applies to platonic as well. So I think about relationships like as a Venn diagram. So I'm going to draw a Venn diagram. A lot of people feel like, oh, this person completes me. That's more like a puzzle piece, right? Like you're a puzzle piece. They're the, the connecting puzzle piece. And now you're complete. I actually see relationships more like this. You know, there's a circle, there's a circle, we come together, there's an intersection, right? right. So the intersection is now our relationship. This is our thing. This is us. But I'm coming into this as a whole complete person. So I have things that I enjoy. I have passions. I have interests. I have friends. I have family. I have people in my life that I love. And sometimes there will be some overlap there. Other times there isn't, right? So if I totally neglect all the things in my circle because I want to be with you, <laughs> then I'm going to have, I'm going to live a life of unmet needs. So if I'm yeah. not me, if I'm not fulfilling my own needs, if I'm not fulfilling my need for community, if I'm not fulfilling my need for music, I love music. What if my partner doesn't really, is not into music like me? Am I going to stop loving music? No, like I'm going to figure out how to be, live more integrated. And so I say that to say, I, I connect that to self-love because I look at self-love as what am I doing for myself that fills me? Like, how am I filling myself? If I'm not filling myself, then relationship is going to be super hard for me. And I, I'm speaking for myself too. Like if I live too long without meeting and fulfilling my own needs and desires, it's going to be super hard for me to live in an integrated um, an integrated relationship with somebody else, right? So, and I think that 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 can, that can translate to friendships as well, or even family. Like, what are the things that we're doing to fill ourselves so that we can remain in a healthy relationship with someone else? That is such a great diagram, and and several people have said that in the comments. Excellent analysis, great diagram. I want to talk a, a little bit more about that. And I know this from personal experience. And I know that there's some women out there that do this. I've seen it. I've done it. And I've had coach people that do this a lot, specifically women. Because we have been raised in a patriarchal society and we've seen our mothers, grandmothers um, come from the generation where their value wasn't placed in the things that they did so their life was in support of their 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 mates right mm -hmm. so that's what we saw growing up so when we get into relationships or even in our platonic sometimes platonic relationships what happens is we will let go of our dreams aspirations goals desires to take up the dreams, goals, and support the aspirations, desires of the person that we're with. Mm -hmm. And then you Absolutely. blink, you blink, and then 10 years goes by, and you got these unfulfilled dreams and unfulfilled desires because you are in support of this love of your life to say, hey, I am no longer a main character in my play to be a supporting cast member <laughs> mm -hmm. in your play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, talk to us about how we do not shift into that mode where we become this super duper support character over here, but we have all these dreams unfulfilled and unfulfilled uh, goals and aspirations where we don't look up and blink and 10 years have gone by and we haven't done anything 
and accomplish anything in our life. I tell my daughter and my goddaughters this all the time mm -hmm. to stay focused on the things that you have to do in life. And then when you meet that nice fella down the road, because the, the fella's going to come, but stay the main character in your play for right now. Yeah. Well, going back to my Venn diagram, <laughs> you know, if, if we're if we're focused on the, fo focusing on the things that we enjoy, the things that we love, our passions, ideally, we're going to bump into someone right on that path. So instead of trying to force the thing, just keep flowing and keep moving in your life. And then you'll probably bump into a person who is who is aligned with you yeah and it won't and it won't feel like such a stretch but but i do want to say a couple of things in response to your question so one of one of the problems i think happens one of the problems that happens especially being a black woman I, i'm going to speak for black women if i may yeah go for <laughs> I it. think i think one of the ways that we're socialized particularly around identity is that every part of our identity is in relationship is is a relationship to someone, right? So my identity has now been formed because I am a wife or because I'm a mother or because I'm somebody's auntie or because I'm somebody's teacher or somebody's friend, right? Like it's always about our relationship to another person. And I think what happens when our identity is formed out of relationships with another person, then everything that we do or everything that we want or everything that we desire is always connected to who we are to another human being. And so <clears throat> it becomes very difficult to center yourself and to center your own desires when everything about your identity is connected to who you are to someone else or what you do for someone else. Yeah. So, so I think the first thing that we really need to do is figure out who we are. And I, I talk about this all the time, but I think once you know who you are and once you know why you're here, you can call it purpose. Um, you know, I think identity and purpose are the game changer because then what happens is everything else, and, and this is the work I do in coaching when I coach leaders, you know, purpose becomes a lens for you. So, and that's for your whole life. So yeah. if you meet a person and they don't quite fit <laughs> into the purpose that you're living, like the purpose for your life, then you know, like, oh, this is not somebody I'm supposed to be with, right? right. Because, because if this person is connected and aligned with my purpose, then they're probably going to be supportive. They're probably going to become a cheerleader for you to say, hey, don't you have some dreams that you're trying to fulfill? What do we need to do to make this happen, right? Yeah. So, and, and at the same time, I think if you are with someone who you find yourself told, like totally pouring into and you're not fulfilling those dreams and passions that you have for yourself, I think that's where like counseling comes in, talking to that person, really getting clear on what you want for your life and then setting up your life in such a way that you can make it happen, right? And so relationships are so important because none of us were made to be alone but at the same time i think we have to go into relationships knowing what we want and what we need and if we know those two things then relationships become an extension of that like or in support of that yeah yeah absolutely this is so good you guys i hope you guys are sharing it with your good girlfriends your good your good guy friends because this self-love journey is is one to have and one to to discover. Um, this is another question that came from some of my uh, some of my Young Hill Black Joy tribe members, and is what is your take on how society has polarized the external aesthetic of a person versus the internal truth of a person? Yeah. So so. I'm trying to I was I'm trying to understand that question a little bit. Like, could you break that down? Yeah. So like in social media, everything is about the exterior. Everything is about okay. how we look. You know, reflecting on the gram, couple goals, black love goals, black excellence. Uh, you got the Instagram model. So everything has been polarized from the outside, the aesthetic of a person, right? But a lot of times, like you got the guy that goes to the gym that 
you know, pumps iron and he puts up, he flexes on the gram or the girl that goes to the gym. That doesn't necessarily mean that they love themselves on the inside That's because right. what's on the inside is going to pour out regardless of how you look on the outside. But there's so much, uh, there's so much energy around mm -hmm. what we look like. You got women that are going to get BBLs that mm -hmm. are dying in, mm -hmm. in, in large numbers. Mm -hmm. There are women that want to change how they look, right? Because internally, they don't really feel good about themselves. I don't think that they are on a self-love journey. They're just on a self-aesthetic yeah. journey. Yeah, okay. I, I understand the question. Yeah, so I think this is so layered, right? There's so many layers to this question because part of it is because we want that we want external validation yeah all, all of us want to feel wanted you know it, it's why it's why we um like we were made for connection right and so because we were made for connection it means that how other people see me and experience me is important it's important to me mm -hmm. at the same time if you never fully form your identity if you never fully um, get settled and comfortable in who you are, then you'll always seek external validation. Like your internal validation, your sense of like love for yourself is never enough, <laughs> right? Like it's never enough. So if I am like, I think I look pretty good, but then I go on Instagram and I'm like, dang, like I wish my body was like that. And you're seeing what's happening um, that person is being validated, is being celebrated and appreciated. They got a hundred thousand followers because they posting their booty every day. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not getting that same appreciation and, and validation, and you're not settled and comfortable in who you are. That's why you're you'll continue to compare, right, and try to change yourself. There's a saying that says comparison is the thief of joy. And it's the truth. It's very much the truth. Like the more we compare ourselves to other people, the less joy and fulfillment we experience in our own lives. And so I think, you know, when we think about, when we think about the, 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 the relationship between kind of who we are on the inside and what we look like on the outside, it's so important to have that sense of identity. And that's why I keep talking about identity because so many issues and challenges that we have as human beings is because we don't know who we are and we don't know why we're here. And I think if you can really get to the root of that, that's where love lives. Mm. Like, like that's where love lives. If you can say, this is who I am and stand like firm in that and say, this is why I'm here and be confident in that. Self-love is like, <laughs> Ooh. That's where the joy is, too. That's, that's where the right. love is, and that's where the joy is. That's right. Oh, my God. That's the quotable for tonight. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I already the, know. That's, that's the quotable the for tonight. Is. That's where that's the love where the is. That right. is where the love is. All oh, this is so good. So when you're talking to your clients, what are some key steps that you give your clients in that exploration of their self-love journey? If someone says, hey, Dr. Margaret, you know, I don't have boundaries. I haven't loved myself enough. I really want to start this self-love journey. What do you say to them? Yeah, so, so first I want to say that most of the people I coach are leaders and or entrepreneurs, right? So these are people who are starting a business, um, who have a dream, a passion, a vision, and they want to figure out how to make it happen. Or I'm coaching executive leaders who are running companies and they have no one to talk to because they're at the top. The buck stops with them. Right. There's not, there's not anyone to be vulnerable with and to say, I really don't know what I'm doing. I need some help. So those are, those are usually the people I coach. And then there's another group of people that I coach and it's more like life coaching. They're just trying to figure out what in the world am I supposed to be doing with my life? Yeah. And every one of those groups, people struggle with this. And I think one of the reasons why people struggle with this is something I said earlier. I think people, one, live with unmet needs and they don't know what their needs are. So one tool 
It's just two questions that I ask people to sit with regularly. One, what do I need? Two, what do I want? I, I guarantee you, if, if folks who are watching would be honest, and you can answer this if you want in the comments, how many people actually ask themselves on a regular basis, what do I need? What do I want? Most people don't. Most people don't. They're constantly, we're, we, I'm going to put myself in that category because, again, this is a lifelong journey for me. Most of us are focused on other people all the time because our identity is connected to other people, who we are to other people. If we were to turn that on ourselves, we would ask, what do I want? What do I need? Reason being, this is, a, a, this is an analogy I always share with um, people as I'm speaking, particularly like um, high, like high-performing, busy people who just say, I don't have time to do that. I got all this stuff to do. I asked them, I said, you know, how do your children know that you love them? And they'll start naming all these things. They, they, they'll say, you know, my, my kid knows I love them because I spend time with them. I feed them. You know, I listen to them. I nurture them. I give them things that they want. I meet their needs. I make sure they have what they need. I said, so now turn that on yourself. If you were to think about how you're loving yourself, if you were in a conversation with yourself, would yourself say, oh, I know that you love me, right? Self, I know that you love me because you spend time with me, you nurture me, you listen to me, you give me what I need. Like, this, this is, <laughs> I'm passionate about this, as you can tell. Like, this is the mindset that we have to be in to love ourselves. That's so it's, good. It's, it's always really easy to think about love when it's when it's to somebody else right yeah, so man like, but how do i know that i love myself i spend time with myself i i find out what i need what i want right so these are the things we have to sit with regularly and it's hard because we've been trained and socialized to think that that's selfish it's actually not i i want to share this really quickly I was doing a um, I was doing a workshop for some girls in the eighth grade. I loved these girls. I would meet with them every Friday for like two months. And so I asked one, I asked them to tell me what is something you love about yourself. So they would say, "Oh, I love my the way I dance," <laughs> or you know, my friends say that I'm funny, and I love that about myself. One of the girls stood up and with so much pride. She said, I'm selfless. I put other people before myself. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Stop no. the yeah. <laughs> um, and so I ended up calling these sessions, Be Your Own Bay. And Bay stood for before anyone else. Like, learn to be your own Bay. So we, we talked and we unpacked with this young lady, like, why that's not okay? Why it's not always okay for you to put others before you put yourself? Because if you're giving, 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 and you're never being filled, 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 we will literally walk around on empty. And then we're mad, we're bitter, we're angry, we're upset. We can't access joy. It's difficult to access joy when you're walking around with unmet needs. I got a question for you with that baby. Why did, what did, what did she tell you was the reason why she was always giving to other people. She was taught that. She was taught that this, that this is how you live. You live in service to others. And I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with serving other people, right? Nothing wrong with it. I live a life of service as well. But I am not going to neglect myself and put others before myself because how can I be of service to anyone if I'm not of service to myself? So she had been taught that. This is the spirit of humility. We're to be humble. We're to help other people. That's all well and good. But where do you fit into that? Like, when do you, when do you give, your, give to yourself, right? And so she, you know, she, she had a moment. She teared up. She was like, oh, my God, I need to go tell my mama this. And, you know, she was, yeah. she was she was really excited about the revelation. But 
I just remember that moment because I think so many of us take a lot of pride in putting others before ourselves. And I, I'm really about changing that and flipping that and shifting that. Like I want people to be well. And I don't think that we're well when we're constantly putting other people before we put ourselves. That's that's so that's so pivotal that and so transformative that you're saying that because um, I just ended uh, one of my group coaching programs and a couple of the ladies in there they're struggling with that in particular because their identity <laughs> is attached to what they do for other people. Yep. And they've done it for so long that they think that it's 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 who they are. Yeah. It's not yeah. in their being but in their doing. Yes. And and, sorry, and they get ahead. rewarded and they That's get right. recognized for their performance. So yeah. if their love if their love or the way that they were uh, loved as a child was tied to performance like your parents uh loved you or showed you attention because you got good grades and you were respectful and you didn't talk and you got s's in in, mm -hmm. in class right if that love was shown to you based off of your performance then as you grow up and you become an adult you are looking for people to perform for that's right and what they say to you right because i i've had this i had this experience too what they say is you are good right so they say okay you got good grades you are you're respectful you pay you know you you mind your manners you are good not you're doing good you are good so now they've attached your identity this this identity of goodness to the things that you do and i, I want to take a second if i may <laughs> to break this down please so, do so if we think about, because this is what I study too. So if we think about how we, how our self-esteem was formed as children, it was out of a sense of accomplishment. This is what you're talking about. Performance, mm -hmm. right? How well you did. You play sports. Yay. You're so good. You're great at sports. And so our self-esteem was built up on what we did, our accomplishments. Well, what happens when we begin, when we stop accomplishing, when we stop winning, when we stop being the best, our self-esteem plummets. And so now your whole identity has been wrapped around all of these things that you do so well, yet you don't do those things well anymore, or you never loved them. You just did them. You don't really know what you want or need. So now you don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, it's difficult to love yourself. So it's like, like I said, it's a cycle. So one of the things I, I share with people, especially as they are trying to form and, and do more identity work, is I think about when we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, what do they say, Lola? What are, what are the things that the kids I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a policeman. Well, nobody That's wants to right. say that anymore. <laughs> which, which, which are what? Those are? They, they're, 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 they're performance their based. They're jobs. Their jobs. Yeah. But we ask them, what do they want to be? Not what job <laughs> do they want? So what if that mm. kid said, I want to be, I want to be T'Challa. I want to be Black Panther. We would say, but you can't be Black Panther because Black Panther is not real. But what if they actually meant they want to be like T'Challa? I want to be strong. I want to be compassionate. I want to be a leader. That's speaking more to their identity. Them saying they want to be T'Challa <laughs> is speaking more to who they want to be yeah. than them saying a doctor. Because yeah. the reality is, once you figure out your purpose, there's many pathways you can take. So let's say I want to be a helper. I want to help people. I want to, you know, um, I want to lead people. I want to make sure that people are well. Name some of the jobs that you could do to be that person. You could be a therapist. You could be a doctor. You could be a teacher, right? That's why purpose is so important because once we know who we are, 
we just figure out what pathways we need to walk down. And all of that, in my mind, is self-love. Like, that's what we're talking about. All of that, for me, is wrapped up in love. And if we are loving ourselves well, and we, like, if we know who we are, we can love ourselves well, we can live lives of purpose, and we can do all the things that we're supposed to do, and we can experience joy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That is... I'm oh I'm so glad you broke that down about what do you want to be because I know I've experienced that growing up when somebody asked me that I know that they have asked my child that growing up and a lot of times the person who says what they actually want to be everybody looks at them like but that's not a that's not a job like you know somebody said I want to be can't a mother make money. huh mm -hmm. or, or they say you can't make money doing that yeah 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 um somebody put in the comments where, when you were talking about the, the the role of doing right instead of the role of being i what came to my mind was the pro athlete the person who's played from you know peewee league all the way up until they're in the nfl and then when they get to retirement they they crash and burn because their whole entire identity has been this person who has played well, who has been, you know, praised for their performance or ridiculed for their performance, whichever way. And they get to that final moment where they are backing out and they struggle. I've, I've watched enough uh, athletic podcasts where they all talk about that moment where they decide that they're going to stop or they're going to retire. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because of that. Most of the times they're not trying to do it because their mind is telling them not to do it. They're stopping because their body just can't, uh, won't allow them to do it anymore. They will keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and they crash and burn because their identity is wrapped up in their doing instead of them just being who they are as a, mm -hmm. as a human being. Yeah. I think that's that's so good it just made me think about something too as it relates to like a professional athlete or anyone who has made a career off of one their bodies right because they're actually using their bodies to make a living I think I think part of it too is you know and maybe one day I'll get a chance to do this work but I would love to work with athletes to say like what is it that you love about playing this sport right so like Yes, the sport itself, but there's some other stuff wrapped up in that. There's status that comes with that. There's, you know, um, accolades. There's like the cheering, the fandom, the appreciation. But I would, so, so part of that leads to fulfillment for them. It's like, no, I'm enjoying playing a sport that I love, but I also love what comes with it. And that feels very fulfilling to me. Well, what else is fulfilling to you? Like, the camaraderie. The camaraderie. Right. That's right. So yeah. then where else might you find that? And maybe as you are still playing your sport, you start to pursue some of those other things that will give you that same fulfillment, that same level of fulfillment. Then, because we, we do see where some athletes, they, they stop playing, they might start businesses and they get that same level of fulfillment from running their businesses because it's that same energy, right? So like, I think mo most of us need templates. Most of us need like, most of us are, I'll say this, we don't always need templates. Most of us want templates. We want like a formula. Do A, B, and C, and then D will happen. Right. I actually don't feel like that's the best way to live. I think we need frameworks. And the reason I say that, and I'm going to tie this back to self-love, I promise. If you think about a house that's built, the first thing they do is they lay a foundation, right? So there's a foundation laid. Then there's other stuff that happens. But ultimately, somebody <laughs> said, she said, Too I want a look. formula. I want a formula. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Dr. Margaret is getting ready to give us frameworks here, Black Joy. I'm going to give you a framework. So, <laughs> so, so then the next thing they do is they frame the house, right? Now, let's say I'm, I'm getting my house built, and there's a house across the street that's the same floor plan. We have the same frame 
frame in our house because our floor plan is the same. Yeah. But once our house is built out, you're going to go in their house and you're going to see a totally different decoration. You, you're going to see carpet. You come to my house, you're going to see hardwood. You go to their house, it's going to be orange walls. You come to my house, you're going to see white walls with black art on, on them, right? So, but the frame is the same. The reason I like frameworks is because I can take a framework and I can apply it in my life and I can still be myself. I can still be my authentic self and it's going to look totally different than someone else. Yeah. So if, if we think about a framework for self-love, we think about identity, we think about purpose, and we say, who do I want to be? Let me figure out who I am. Let me figure out why I'm here. Some of us have very similar purposes in life, right? Like, I think you and I have very similar purposes. After we talked, I was like, she's Kendrick. Lola is Kendrick. Yeah. But, but we are doing it our way. Yeah. Because there is no formula. It's like, what is the framework that I need to live my life so that I can still be myself, but I can be well? And that's yeah. love becomes a framework, right? Loving yourself well becomes a framework. So I'm going to stop talking because. No, no, <laughs> no. No, no, no. This is all good. I mean, I'm sitting there like, I need to write. I hope everybody's writing down that you need something, need a framework. And part of that framework is knowing that in the foundation if we let let's let's build this framework out let's build it out for a little bit dr margaret mm -hmm. okay what are the elements of the framework so we know that one thing is purpose yes yes knowing what knowing who you are first mm -hmm. yep so I, then, would, I would i would actually start with identity and purpose right? identity and purpose yes so Identity. Let, let's talk about that for a little bit. So one, one of the things I have people do is I ask them, who are you? Introduce yourself without telling me what you do or who you are to someone else. Without telling me what you do and who you are to someone else. For me, that looks like me saying I'm a leader and I'm a luminary. Now, sure, both of those things relate to other people, but they first relate to me and who I am and my identity, right? So I see myself as a leader. When I was young, my dad used to call me bossy. He said, you're so bossy. And my mom would say, no, she's a leader. For me, that looks like I need to lead myself well. So I'm a leader. I lead myself well so that then I can lead other people. Yeah. I consider myself a luminary because I believe that all of the experiences I've endured in my life have or are enlightening me so that I can be light in the world. Me saying that I'm a leader and a luminary, I've told you nothing about the things I do to make money. <laughs> and I also have not told you any, any relationships that I have. You don't know that I'm a daughter. You don't know that I'm an auntie. Right. right? You know that Margaret is a leader and a luminary. So that's identity. Now, then we go to purpose and we say, okay, what is my purpose in life? Well, I believe that we can actually demystify purpose. I think it's actually a lot easier than we think it is. And I walk people through an exercise. I think purpose is at the intersection. I'm going to get back to my Venn <laughs> diagram. Come on with the diagram, <laughs> Dr. Margaret. <laughs> I think I think purpose is at the intersection is right here of our pain, our gifts, and our, our, our pain, our gifts, and our passion. So when we start to unpack, like, what are we good at? What are our God-given talents? Or what am I super passionate about? What are the things that I would do? What are the things that I would do without getting paid? That's kind of how we look at passion. And what, what is my pain? Like, what, what are the things that break my heart or the things that I worry about? And I think when we start to unpack that, I'm not going to do that right now, but when we start to unpack that, we can arrive at a purpose statement. And I walk people through that statement of purpose, which is essentially, I am here to use my gifts in the service of something bigger than me. Once you get to that statement, then you can decide where do I want to live into, the, into this purpose. 
the reason I think this is important and the reason I think it's such a loving thing to do is because one, we'll stop wasting time and time is one of our most precious, precious resources that we can't get back, right? So when we know our purpose, we'll stop wasting time and we'll start to move in the direction of the things that we're supposed to be moving into. And then I think we'll also cultivate healthier relationships with people because we now know who we are and we know why we're here. So I'm going to take it back to your question about romantic relationships. I've dated plenty of people that weren't in alignment with my purpose because it was like, oh, this will be fun. I'll just have fun with this He's person. cute. He's cute. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. But at the point where I got serious about the alignment of my life and my purpose, I was like, oh, you... You, you, I can't be wasting my time. Right? I like I just, I can't waste my time. And so, and because I know what I want and what I need. So, <laughs> so, so, if we're talking about a framework, I just said identity, purpose. We begin to live into that, and then we identify our wants and our needs. If you just start there, if you just start with that. <laughs> Like you're gonna see, you're gonna see your life completely shift. And and I got I got receipts for this. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so. so if you mm -hmm. start with identity, purpose, your wants and your needs, you have set up your framework. You're, you're, you're starting. You're 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 you got a good framework. Yeah, absolutely. So I got some questions. People got questions, honey. People got questions. Uh, <laughs> One question, and we're gonna. We, this is four questions from our from our Hill Black Joy tribe member Perry Simone. Shout out to you. How do you define love? What is some advice for someone? And well, she's already answered that. What is some advice for someone embarking on their self love journey? That's identity, purpose, wants, and needs. What role do you feel partners play in self love for one another? That's good. That is good. Okay, I had to I have to write stuff down. I'm gonna start with uh, how I define love. So I actually I define love very simply. I think it's acceptance. I think that when we love and we love wholeheartedly, it means that we accept. Now I think that's very different than saying, oh because I love you, I now have to be in community with you. Or because I love you, I have to be with you. I think we can love people, accept who they are, and say, mm, I don't think I need to be connected to you intimately, right? That doesn't mean the love is not there. It doesn't mean we don't love the person. It just means we recognize that who this person is, if we accept this person for who they are, and we accept ourselves for who we are, we might not align. We might not we might not fit with that person. Right. So I think we have I think we often need to remove the I think we need to remove mm, no, I don't want to say that. I think we need to disconnect sometimes or be able to disconnect love from relationship. Love does not always have to exist within a relationship. I can love from afar. I can so that's that's one thing. I yes, that's right to live love. You got to love from a distance. Got to love from from a distance. That's right. So I think ultimately love is acceptance. That's how I define love. Now, what you do with that love, that's something else, right? So right. I do be I do believe that love has some action attached to it. Um, that question about partnership and self love, I'm gonna answer this by sharing something that a friend of mine told me, which is, and I I think I shared this with you, but. You know, we were talking about this idea of communalism, especially for Black people, because we are a communal people. We were, we were, we were living together and on the land before we were brought here, and yeah. even he, and even when we were brought here, forced here, right? We were still in community with each other. And so, he and I were talking one day. And he said, "Margaret, you know, this idea of communalism is changing the way I look at." The statement, if you don't love yourself, you can't love someone else. We say that all the time. If you don't love yourself, you can't love someone else. Yeah. I think there's some truth to that. 
But one of the things that he said, his name is Dr. Gray. He's a professor. One of the things he said was, Margaret, communalism actually might mean that because other people love me, I learn to love myself. Because other people love me well, it now teaches me how to love myself well. And I was like, whoa, like that's, that's a total shift, right? Like that's a totally different way of looking at that. So I think that when we, when we apply that to partnership, it's to say, you, you got to love your partner so well that they actually feel guilty for not loving themselves. Like that, that would be my goal in a relationship is I want to love this person so hard and so good and teach this person how to love themselves that they actually feel guilty when they don't. And the way that I'm, and I don't want them to feel guilty, right? So hopefully they'll do it. And that means calling out when you realize your partner is not loving themselves well. I love you too, Candy. (laughs) (laughs) It, 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 It means that when you see your partner putting themselves, putting other people before they put themselves, you say, babe, like, come on, what you doing? You need to take some time for yourself, right? But what does that require? It requires that we're not selfish in our relationships that we begin to see ourselves as partners in connection. So things that you're doing to yourself are going to have an effect on me as well. So I want you to love yourself well so that you can love me well. But, but we, we are often very selfish in our relationships. And so, and the reason we're selfish, Lola. <laughs> Why are we selfish, Dr. Margaret? We, because we're living with unmet needs. Woo! I'm telling you, it's that's it. It's the ticket. <laughs> oh my God. So we got another question. Self-love and childhood trauma. Ooh, mm. I hate to ask this question right at the hour, but can yeah. we talk about, touch on self-love and childhood trauma? Because a lot of times when you've experienced that traumatic experience, you will literally just, you, 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 you kind of abandon self-love. Yeah, either out of guilt or uh, insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I want to I want to use an analogy for as to respond to this. And um, ultimately, whoever asked that question, I want you to know first that um, sometimes you need help, right? Like sometimes we need to pay someone to help us, um, whether that's a therapist, or some sort of intensive, like, outpatient therapy program like there's there's all kinds of therapeutic healing modalities that can help us heal from trauma or begin to heal from trauma but I want to say that you know until so the analogy is I follow a lot of like intuitive eating conversations because when I think about my own health and my own self-love journey part of that is me wanting to eat well treat my body well and but not but not take on these like negative um negative habits that are only focused on my aesthetic we talked about that earlier so it's not all about body image it's about health so anyway to eat intuitively though assumes that you are in a healthy place mentally so if i am listening to myself and trying to figure out okay i'm gonna eat this because i want it right? Not necessarily because um, it's healthy, but I'm going to give myself permission to just enjoy. I struggle with that sometimes because I'm like, well, if I'm dealing, if I'm, if I have a sugar craving, (laughs) if I have a natural sugar craving, my body's going to always tell me to go to the sweet things. I'm not going to know how to, to control that or to monitor that or to manage that. So I look at childhood trauma, I look at any trauma we've experienced in our lives as like that craving. You know, I, I, I struggle with an addiction to sugar. I can admit that, right? Sugar has addictive properties. So when, you, when, you, with, when you withdraw from sugar, it is like a heroin withdrawal. It's likened to a heroin withdrawal. This is the truth, right? So there's nothing that you can do. You don't have enough will you don't have enough self-will to give that up, 
<laughs> you either got to like do it cold turkey or you need some assistance, right? This might be a bad analogy, but I think that the things that trauma does to us, to our body, we oftentimes don't have enough will to, to move out of it, right? And to, to, heal, uh, to heal ourselves out of it. And there's lots of reasons why, um, you know, we've been taught that we should just move on and move forward. And so I say that to say, that was a long way to say, <laughs> I think childhood trauma or any trauma really stands, often stands in the way of our ability to love ourselves well. And when we are in a place where we are not able to love ourselves well, and we've done everything we know to do, and we still can't do it, we got to get help. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there, I, I saw a couple of therapists pop in, like, I think therapy is great. I think there are some, you know, other healing modalities, spiritual um, healing modalities that people need in order to release themselves um, or, or feel released enough to begin walking a love journey. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 good. It's heavy. It's heavy. That's that's the heavy. I I don't want to I don't want to stop on the heavy, but I just want to say this has been a class what this is this has been a class tonight. Mm -hmm. This has been an actual class because you took us to school on so many things when it comes to, to the exploration of that self-love journey and if you guys are not on the self-love journey or you don't know how to start the self-love journey, Dr. Margaret has given us some framework to start that self-love journey. Um, what are you working on right now, Dr. Margaret? How can we stay in connection with you? Talk to us about your podcast, your, your Love Life TV, so that people know how to, to reach out to you and, and to connect to you. Yeah, thank you. So, I'm on, you know, all social as at MB is free. And then I also have a TV talk show that I uh, released last year called The Love Life with Dr. Margaret. Um, it really is kind of flipping this idea of our love life around and being more inclusive of all the things that love um, entails. So it's not just romantic, it's not romantic relationships. Right. It's how do you live a life of love and how do you love the life you live? And so that handle is at the love life TV. Um, and, you know, right now, honestly, I'm working on being kind to myself. <laughs> I'm working on loving myself. Well, I'm working on releasing myself from um, the pressures of looking a certain way, being a certain way. So that is a continued journey for me. And then I, I coach people. Um, I have my own business that I work full time. I'm a coach. I'm a consultant. I spend a lot of time thinking through um, leadership, what leadership looks like for, for individuals. I help entrepreneurs um, figure out how to launch their businesses. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much like out here doing <laughs> doing what I do. You in these streets. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in these streets, these, especially these Instagram streets. So um, <laughs> I see some folks following. I'll definitely check y'all out. And um, I, I would love to stay in touch with your community. And I also just want to say thank you to you, Lola, for stepping out and doing this and creating this platform and being yourself, being your authentic self, um, your Aquarian self. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah happy birthday happy aquarius thank you thank you thank you oh my god you guys this has been such a wonderful wonderful live tonight um talking to dr margaret brunson talking about the exploration of the self-love journey um it is just I, I'm, I'm almost speechless because you really took us to school this is one of those lives where you took us to school tonight. Um, so if you haven't watched it, you guys, you can always catch us on all platforms at Hill Black Joy. I want to thank you again, Dr. Margaret, for just joining the Hill Black Joy tribe. You are a official member of Hill Black Joy, and we love you. We will support you. You guys go follow her right now so that we can stay connected.
If you are a business, if you're a person, an entrepreneur, and you need some business coaching, please reach out to Dr. Margaret, because as you can tell from tonight's live, she has, she can back it up. She's got the receipts. She has the expertise and the experience. So please reach out to her if you need to, um, to, to speak with her about that. And as always, I want to thank my Hill Black Joy tribe for tuning in to Hill Black Joy tonight. You guys are awesome. I love you all. I'm giving you so much love energy. And know that when you're on that self-love journey and when you know you can define your wants and you can define your needs, as Dr. Margaret says, that is where the love is. And I'm going to say that is also where the joy is. So you guys have a wonderful evening. Thank you for tuning in and good night. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Always remember that this healing journey, sometimes it's going to feel like soul food and sometimes it's going to feel like war. I urge you to acknowledge and honor both positions and everything in between. Thanks for tuning into the Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War. Thank you.